Thanks, Lionel. Thanks for that, Pell. Thank you, Brendan, for your kids' message. That was that was great. I laughed at all of your jokes. Uh, thanks for East Family. That was wonderful. I didn't know, Natty, you played the bass. That's really, really cool. Um, and, and thanks, Brett, for opening us up, up some morning. I'd like to start uh, by taking on a trip down my memory memory lane back to my childhood with some of the books that I used to read. Throw a hand up. Are you, are you familiar with the Mr. Men series? Uh, if, if you've heard of them them before, um, there's one one such book called Mr. Nosy, okay? And Mr. Nosy is this short little, little green fellow with this kind of giant-sized nose. Um, and what he does is he spends most of his days wandering around rather than working himself. He just kind of wanders around and sticks his nose, hence his name, Mr. Nosy, into, into other people's businesses. And this gets Mr. Nosy into all sorts of different trouble. And... Um, the journey for Mr. Nosy is learning how not to be so nosy. Uh, so you can actually, uh, I discovered this week on YouTube and, and so forth, people have narrated those, those stories through. You can go watch, watch Mr. Nosy. I won't, I won't ruin the story for you. But what Mr. Nosy does do is he gives us uh, this really helpful um, insight, I would say, or, or this striking picture or illustration of, of the crux of today's, today's passages um, that Lionel will just read out for us. We had, we had two passages, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 to 12, that talks uh, and gives us instructions on how we are to live, okay? Whereas 2 Thessalonians 3, 11 to 13, is, is a rebuke against how not to live. And they're actually kind of two contrasting ways, ways of life. You, you can't live both ways um, simultaneously. So the, the way it calls for us to live in, in 1 Thessalonians is 4 is... The key, key comes in verse 10, I believe, when it says, aspire to live quietly, okay? And that's, that's the really key phrase. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, the verse actually goes on, on to tell us, it gives us a description of what it means to aspire to live quietly. It says, mind your own affairs and work with your hands. Mind your own affairs and work with your hands. This is what it means to aspire to live, live quietly. Meanwhile, on the other side, we get 2 Thessalonians 3, and we'll, we'll use this to help inform our, our understanding today. It rebukes a life that is idle, disruptive, and, and full of, of being a busybody, okay? And, and we're going to look at how these two passages interact and, and give us this, this full picture of what it means to aspire to live, live a quiet life. That's, that's, that's the plan. So two, two parts. You ready? Ready, to get, ready to get stuck in? I, um, I certainly am. So, minding, minding your own affairs. What does this mean? It's, it's the logical, logical first question to ask as, as we start looking at particularly, particularly verse 10 with the, the crux of the instructions to us. Minding your own affairs could uh, very, very reasonably, if you read it by itself, could talk about a financial vigilance, you mean, be disciplined in how you do that. Could talk about leading your household well. It could talk about forward planning in, in life. It could be talking about how you are to run your own business as a self-employed businessman. Like, there's many different kind of uh, understandings to, to mind your own affairs. But I think when we consider um, 1 and 2 Thessalonians collectively, yeah, two letters written to one, one church, the, the reality is it becomes pretty clear that probably the best Australian uh, translation we could give of mind your own affairs is in the context of what we'd say, mind your own business. Yeah, um, so, so rather than putting your nose into other people's businesses and, and kind of you know, being a bit like Mr. Nosy with his gigantic nose, 
keep to your own affairs, focus, focus on doing that well, be responsible for what's been entrusted with you. So things like um, being a busybody, things like you know, spreading rumours, things like gossiping or, or just meddling, putting your fingers in other people's pies, talking about them behind their back. These are all things that miss the point of what it means to, to mind your own affairs. They're actually the, the contradiction. So um, a, a definition of a, of a busybody, something that's, that's really helpful to, to understand what it looks like to not mind our own affairs. Um, a busybody spreads rumours like it's their profession. I really, I really liked that uh, kind of description that I, I heard of it once. A busybody spreads rumours like it's their profession. So rather than minding their own affairs, they're, they're engaging in other people's affairs in, in ways that are not just unhelpful, but are, are fundamentally really quite, quite unhealthy. And also we're going to do that. We're going to actually explore things like rumours and gossip and, and the significance of them. Um, because I, I think we, we can often underestimate, or I can often underestimate just the, the power and the significance of um, the consequences of, of these such words and actions and, and thoughts. We can often think, hey, I didn't start a rumour, you mean? I, it wasn't that bad. The fire was already burning. There was all these, already these, these problems going. But got to realize when, when things like rumors and, and gossiping, all we're doing is stoking the fire. And if we're stoking the fire, we're making the flames burn bigger. And the consequence is that the, the, the burn off effect on other people is, is greater. To give, a, to give another illustration to it, I, I think as human beings, um, we often miss this idea of, of minding our own affairs because we often confuse the different organs that God's given us. We often like to listen with our nose rather than listening with our, our ears. You know, there's, there's a juicy bit of information. We become a bit you know, nosy. Yeah, we, we start trying to listen through our, through our nose. We, we become nosy in this sense of, of listening for things that we really shouldn't be listening to or being fascinated by, oh, did you hear this about this person? Or they did this and they're going lots of trouble here. Or, or things like that, really just, really just not not helpful. We're not, we're not designed to be nosy. And the instruction here is, is don't be a busybody, 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 11, but rather mind your own affairs and focus, focus on that. Focus what's, what's in front of you, what God has, has entrusted to. So just, just then that I, I really wanted to flesh out with you the significance of this or the power, the destructive power of, of being a busybody. Now, there was a number of years ago, um, in, in a different different context altogether to, to, to this, but um, a number of years ago where I was leading a team and, and this team, uh, over time, it, it kind of, a, a culture of gossip really seeped in um, to the language of, of how we operated as a team. Now, we'd come together as a team and it will be all, all mumbo-jumbo and everything would, would operate healthily and well, but then we'd, we'd go away and you'd hear these murmurs behind the scenes of people you know, complaining about this person over here or the way that they did this, or there was these real problems going on behind the surface, but no one was actually kind of talking about it in a collective sense. It was all just gossip and rumours and kind of accusations and affirmations and assumptions that people were making that were kind of half true, but really they weren't really helping the situation. They were just amplifying the situation. They were making the situation even, even more inflamed. Now, most of the, the talk behind the scenes was, was particularly relating to me as, as, as the leader of the team and people having, having different problems with that. Now, what's, what's the consequence of that? What's the consequence of these rumours and these, these meddlings and people not really mining, mining their own affairs? 
I mean, at best, the consequence, I mean, at, at minimum, the consequence is that it, it really hurt me. And, and it was quite confusing for me. Do you mean, why these people? On, I, I talk to them and they say this, but then I go away and other people are saying that they're, they're saying this and it just, it just doesn't add up. Something's not quite working right. And then, and then it, it makes me go, oh, what does that mean for me as a leader? Like, should I really be leading? Should I still be doing this? Um, why am I here, God? This is, this is really hard. So at minimum, it really, really was quite uh, impactful in a really negative way to me. But, but the even greater consequence for, for me in this situation and how this team, team environment operated was that this, this culture was going to be detrimental to the team. It was going to have hugely negative consequences to, to the way we operate in a team. Why? Because well, when we don't mind our own affairs, when we don't and, and rather start sticking our nose into other people's businesses, when we start meddling with those, those things, this becomes a, a culture where trust is not able to grow. And, and you can't have a functional, healthy relationship without trust. It, it just can't, can't happen. It's absolutely essential to a really healthy relationship. You can't have a functionally healthy relationship without trust because that relies on, on integrity. And so if you've got these people saying all these accusations and, and assertions and half-truths kind of behind your back and, and spreading rumours and gossip and, oh, this, 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 this is a toxic culture. It's, it's a poisonous culture. And it's actually going to destroy the relationships within the team. But it not only applies to a team context. You, you, you could very easily in your own life look at this happen in a context of, of family relationships or in, in church relationships or in, in your work relationships. Like this, this, this idea of, of gossip and, and slander and rumours and the consequences of it, the devastating consequences of it to relationships, to trust, to integrity, they apply to, to all sorts of, of different relationships. And so I tell this story, I use this illustration from my, my own experience from, from a number of years ago, just as a way to, to remind us just how serious you know, being a busybody is. And hence why Paul Silas and, and Timothy are so strong in their affirmation to, to aspire to live quietly, do this by minding your own affairs. Focus, focus on that. Be responsible for what, what God's entrusted to you. Um, 1, 1 Peter 4, 4.15. Don't, don't worry about flipping it there. I'll, I'll, I'll read it out for you. 1 Peter 4.15 says this. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer, or as a meddler. I find it really interesting that Peter puts meddling in the same, uh, same sentence, in the same flow of thought as a murderer and a thief and an evildoer. And it's because I think Peter realises the severity or, or the detrimental consequences of, of meddling in business that's not yours to, to meddling, being, being like Mr. Nosey. It gets not only you, but it, but it gets everyone in, involved in, in problems. It, it disrupts the, the character and the integrity of the gossiper, but also the one that's being gossiped about. And so he says, it's in the same boat. Don't, don't murder, don't thief, don't evildoer, don't be a meddler. Yeah? Don't suffer because, because of these things. So, uh, uh, minding your own affairs, what does that look like kind of, kind of really practically? What are some, some principles that, that help us live by? I think a lot of us have kind of uh, communication values that we, we aspire to, to live up to. And little kind of rules, I have little mantras in the back of my head. One, 
one that mum's taught me since I was I was a very young young child, and and I I succeed to various levels on this. But if you don't have anything nice to say, Aaron, don't say anything at all. I think it's just a really helpful helpful way. If I'm if I'm about to say something or or a thought comes to my mind, and I question, do you mean, am I minding my own affairs in this space? Well, if I filter it through this lens of if you don't have anything nice to say, anything upbuilding, anything encouraging, anything truthful, don't say it all. Just, just hold it back. I think that's, that's a little golden nugget from, from my mother. And, and another nugget, I was just chatting with my mother-in-law during the week and, and she was saying, you know, would I say this about this person if they were standing next to me? So when we're talking uh, about, about other people, because that's just part of, of a lot of conversations and how they work, there's a difference between talking about someone and talking about them behind their back in this gossiping kind of sense. Would you say what you're going to say about them if they were in the room? Um, we've, we've all seen, uh, I'm sure there's, there's, there's plenty of movies or television show examples, or even, even in real life, where um, someone's saying something about someone else, and all of a sudden they don't realise it, but you know, they're facing this way, they're talking to a, a crowd, and the person walks in behind them and overhears the whole conversation. And just, you mean, know, the relationship is just destroyed from that point onwards, and everyone's face just kind of drops. Um, would you say what you, you're going to say about them if they were if they're standing right next to you, if they were in the room? And these are just some really, really practical, really good little nuggets. You might, you might have your own and, and fantastic, but, but little ways of just thinking through, okay, um, what are some, some filters I can filter through for my language, my thoughts, to make sure that I'm not in this pattern of gossiping or spreading rumours or meddling, even when we don't realise it, because it can often so, so easily just, just, just flow out of us. That's on a practical level. Then I think we've got a heart level, okay? And this is where I'd, I'd encourage you to, to carve out some time today and just, just consider, think back to, to the week gone by, and, and I'll often do this at the end of the day when I'm exercising, whatever it might be, but just kind of filtering through my conversations from the day and going, did, did I mind my own affairs in today well? Or was I, I being nosy? Was I pushing for, for juicy information? Was I, um, you mean, delighted at someone else's misfortune? Was there something in me that was not quite right in my conversations and, and ways it went, went about? It's just a really good, I mean, daily, if not more, pattern to, to start to think through. And then you might go, okay, well, actually, yeah, maybe that wasn't unhelpful or maybe that wasn't me minding my own affairs. And what would it look like for you to, to say, God, look, I'm really sorry and repent of that and to ask them to change. And this is where the heart level comes in because there's, there's something driving our heart behind it that's leading to these kind of conversations. You don't just talk about things for the sake of talking about things. They, they come from, from somewhere deep in, deep in the heart. So it's God, would you search me and help me understand why it is in this particular relational environment that I've got this tendency to, to find myself busybody? There's some really, really useful questions that I, I often filter through in my own, my own brain, in my own, my own prayer journey. So that's, that's minding your own affairs. That's the first part of what it means to aspire to live quietly. Um, that's, that's the key instruction that we see in this 1 Thessalonians 4 passage. Don't be a busybody, but, but mind, your own, mind your own affairs. The second one in aspiring to live, live quietly that, that this passage gives us is this idea of work with your hands. It's a really, it's a really short, short phrase. It's a really short instruction, really. Work with your hands. And I, I think it actually, you know, it packs more of a punch than we might first realise. It, it's actually more significant than on face value. We might think, cool, great. 
so so once again, what's what's kind of the best Australian uh, understanding or expression or slang that I can give to this? Um, get your teeth stuck into something. Get your teeth stuck into something. This is the best way I could, could kind of simply package uh, work work with your hands. What was what was significant? About? Let's let's go back to the the early Thessalonican um, church environment. It, it appears when we look at the Thessalonians, uh, both, both letters as a whole, that for some within the church, there was this over-realized eschatology. You know, they, they had this, this, uh, this uh, belief that Jesus' coming was so imminent, which is true, his coming is imminent, but it was so imminent that they didn't have to work. And so they were kind of like, oh, well, looks like I can just kick back until Jesus gets back here. And, and the implication of that was that they were becoming a burden on other people to, to provide for them and to care for them and to look after for them. But also that in their um, laxity, in their idleness, they were becoming really disruptive. And they were spreading these kind of teachings and murmurings to the church. And they were finding themselves in all sorts of different um, gossips and, and kind of half-truths that they were seeing throughout. This was coming quite, quite a problem, hence, hence why it's included in the letter to the Thessalonians. So why? Why, why the instruction to, to work with your hands? What's, what's important about that? Well, if we go back, I think this is really informative, if we go back to um, Genesis time, right, pre-fall, we see Adam uh, created in the image of God is given work by God to do. Now, when I say work, I'm not, I'm not just talking about you mean, a nine-to-five employment where, you, where that's your job. Yeah, don't, when I say work, I'm talking about a biblical sense. Yes, yes, for many, it's, it's, it's a job. But for some, that could be I mean, parenting your children. That, that can be the main focus of your work. It could be looking after the house. It could be um, volunteering or being a really good student. There's so many different dimensions to, to work. But the key idea is that, that God created human beings with, with a desire or a purpose to work. And so when we're not working, as was the case for some of these in the early Thessalonian church, if we're not working, then the tendency is in our laxity to become idle, in our idleness to become disruptive, in our disruptiveness to become a busybody. And there's this kind of really negative, negative flow on effect. We saw that in the passage that, that Lionel read out. It says in, in verse 11, chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians, we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy. They're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ, settle down and earn the food that they eat. 1 Timothy 5, kind of 13 also backs this up. It says, beside that, um, this is in the context of talking about young females, but I think the principle applies to all. Beside that, they learn to be idlers, going from house to house, not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So we see here there's this direct correlation between being idle, being disruptive, being a gossip and being a busybody. There's, there's something, something in that when we don't work, in, in the biblical sense of, of the word. So what's the, um, if, that's, if that's what we ought not to do, that's the instruction against laxity, what, what does it look like in the positive sense to work with our hands? What does, what does that look like? If we, if we have a look at Ephesians 4 verse, verse 28, this is where kind of the penny dropped for me. This is when I was like, you know what? I get it now. I understand it now. This is, this is really helpful. Ephesians 4.28 says, says this. Let the thief no longer steal, 
but rather, that's really important, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, it, 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 I imagine it would be really hard to say to a thief, hey, hey buddy, just, just stop, just stop stealing and just go chill out in the corner for a little bit, right? And, and just to, to, to say, stop doing that, but don't give an alternative. I think the real power is in the potential of, of an invitation to a new capacity. The, the passage here says, work with your hands. Now, the thief was working with his hands in a really unhelpful way. So if you just say to a thief, stop working, but rather let him labor, get your, get your teeth stuck into something, pick up a, a pitchfork or, or a drill and, and find some labor to be, to be involved in. Do honest work with your own hands. Then, then not only will you not be a burden to other people, but you can actually bless other people. So there's an invitation to a new capacity that's really important. It's not just don't do this, but rather aspire to do, aspire to do this. So practically, um, uh, I'm sure for, for some of us, for some of us here today, the last six months or so, and I've, I've experienced glimpses of this throughout kind of this COVID season, but for, for reasons that are outside of our control, um, we've been out of work. And that's, that's a reality. That, that I, I'm not saying you, you sneak back into your work offices and start working. And that's just the reality of the world we live in. But the question is then, okay, in this season, what, what's the invitation? What's the opportunity that we have to work with our hands? Um, I, don't, I don't think that uh, instruction or or a calling or purpose from God disappears just because we, we, we might not have an employment that we would normally have. So what are some other, other options? Um, we, we, could, we could think about uh, what are some ways that we could uh, encourage someone as, as a form of, of this biblical sense of work and purpose. I mean, give someone a call. Or we could find someone, hey, you're in my 5K radius. Why don't we go for a walk? And, 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 and really seek to, to engage in that relationship and encourage that one. You, you might have a spouse and they might have asked you, hey, can you fix the retaining wall or something out the back or you've got a leaky tablet? You've got something around the house that just for years you've kind of put off. And now there's an opportunity with a, a greater capacity you might have to say, hey, this is an opportunity to actually bless and love them and to work with my hands on, on something. So why don't, why don't I do that and, and, and be a blessing to your spouse? Or parents, it might be an opportunity for you guys to go, I'm not, I'm not working at the moment, so I've got more time on my hands to engage my kids. What's something, I know them really well, what's something that I know creative, special that we can just do together as a family? Or kids even, what's something that you can do that would be really special and loving as a way to show this working with your hands to your parents? You might say, hey, mum, why don't, why don't I unload the dishwasher this week? I know it's not my normal job, but... Schools, I'm finishing school a little bit earlier than normal because it's online and, and I'd love to help out around the house a little bit more. So why don't I do the dishwasher or something like that this week? And even, even in this current season where work might look a little bit less, social engagements might look a little bit less, a lot of, a lot of normal routines might be a little bit more quiet. I think there's a, there's a real opportunity to, to serve, to love, to contribute, to work with our hands as part of what it means to aspire to live, live quietly. Because what happens is if we're um, aspiring to live quietly, if this is our focus, part of that being mind your own affairs and part of that being 
you know, work with your hands. If this is our focus and we're pressing into that and going, God, help me understand this more, the tendency to be idle or lax or disruptive or a busybody or a gossiper or a rumor or a meddler, I mean, the tendency for any of these things just starts to evaporate as we focus, focus in, in on this. In concluding, you know, Brett, Brett read out for us from 1, 1 you know, Corinthians 13, 4. I think that was a great way to frame and start this message. You might be thinking, why? Right, we haven't actually talked about love. Well, the, the entire passage is, is framed by love. It's all in the context of love, and, and love illuminates our understanding of how we can mind our own affairs, how we can work with our hands, and how ultimately we live this quiet life that it calls us to, to aspire to. Let me just remind you of verse, verse 9 and 10. It says, For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, but we urge you, brothers, do this more and more. This is, this is the urging, love more and more with the love of God. And so we, we learn more and we experience more and we express more the love of God when we live in a way that models integrity and diligence, that says, no, I'm not going to gossip about this person. I'm not going to spread rumors about this person. I'm, I'm going to model a character of trustworthiness that's going to grow healthy, helpful relationships and not going to tear relationships down. We express love, the love of the Father, when we, we go, no, I'm not going to be nosy into other people's business, but I'm going to look after my own affairs and, I, and I'm, I'm going to engage in that. I'm going to invest in my family. I'm going to invest in my relationships. I'm going to invest in, in the church community and spend my time focusing on that rather than putting my nose into other business, whether that be politically, you know, socially, you know, relationally with, with other spheres going on around you. These are all ways that we can express or demonstrate the love of God to others is part of what it means to, to aspire to live, live quietly. That's our, that's our challenge for this week. That's our encouragement for this week to, to find a way to, to practically live that out. So in that vein, let me, let me pray for us together as we, we continue to go on this journey. Then I'll, I'll hand ball back to, back to Brett. Father, I want to thank you, you know, personally for the opportunity to just sit and, and explore your word and just, just kind of soak in it, you know, to allow it to speak. And that would be my prayer, that this message you know, has been faithful to your word, that it reflects your heart and your desire. I want to thank you for the love that you have for each of us, love so great, a love so pure, Love so true, ultimate love. That you've revealed that love to us and we experience that love and have the opportunity to overflow that love to one another. And that's what life is all about. That's what it means to aspire to live quietly. Ultimately, a life permeated by love. Would you show us the opportunities you're inviting us to this week to, to get stuck? into something, to find our teeth, to get something that's going to build someone else up, something that's going to encourage someone, someone else, something that's going to further your kingdom. To focus not on what we can't do, but focus on what we can do. And would you help us in our words and our thoughts, because it often starts in our thoughts, pick up times where we're, we're just meddling in other people's business in a way that's unhelpful. When we 
we might be talking about someone behind their back. It's just, just not healthy. Help us recognize when we're doing that. And even more so, help us understand why we might be doing that. And instead, maybe turn that into an opportunity to pray for them, to give them an encouragement, to, to even ask, hey, do you need a hand? Because I heard this was going on. Do you, want, do you want some help with this? But to focus on you as our source of love and allow that to impact the way we live, not idly, not disruptively, not as a busy body, but as vessels of love who have been given purpose to work with our hands on our own affairs and let that be a powerful witness to those both in the church and outside the church. Help us do this this week, we, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Brett.